In today's episode, St. Francis hears from our Lord, take the bitter things, not the sweet ones. Also, you will hear of a saint who did not want to see his mother in the face and whose father said of him, he's going to kill himself. And you will hear a lot of other things that maybe you don't want to hear because this episode is going to be about mortification. This is The Spiritual Life, and I'm your host, Father Carlos Cepeda. This is The Catholic Wire. Welcome then to another episode of The Spiritual Life. I am your host, Father Carlos Cepeda, and today we're going to be discussing, as I said, mortification. This episode is going to be one that we might need to re-watch every month or every now and then because mortification is one of those things that we tend to begin very fervently and we many times drop out of. I know that when I was preparing this episode, I myself realized uh, this is something that is good for you to hear. You know, I was preaching to myself in a certain way. And it's true, every time that, or many times that you're preparing a sermon or a talk, or that you're talking to someone about some spiritual matter, very often your guardian angel will say, hey, you should be listening to that too. So this happened to me certainly while I was preparing this episode. Mortification, as I will say, is something that is absolutely necessary, and not just to become a saint, you know, not just if you want to be a nun, or a priest, or a bishop, or be canonized, or something. Mortification is something that you need to save your soul. You know, in the same way that you need to be healthy and you need to do exercise, uh, in the same, or rather, in the same way that you need to exercise to be healthy, in that same way you need to mortify yourself if you want to stay away from sin and therefore save your soul. Now, I want to begin by a quote that is from a theologian from the 20th century. You know, a lot of times we think, oh, you know, mortifications and penances and all these things, uh, they were, you know, all these words about it are from the people from the 16th century and the 13th century and medieval barbarians. But no, uh, even in the modern times, there has been a lot of people that practice penance. I have seen some. Uh, And this theologian, he died in the 1980s, and he says, The Cilicium, the chains, the disciplines, the fasting, the abstinences, the depriving of sleep, other like austerities, these all have been practiced by all the saints, and in a greater or lesser degree, they ought to be practiced by all souls who seriously aspire to sanctity. And I would add, they ought to be practiced by all souls who seriously want to secure their salvation. So, mortification. Let's begin by defining it. Tankery, in his book, The Spiritual Life, says, It is the struggle against our evil inclinations in order to subject them to the will and to subject the will to God. What does that mean? That means that 
let's begin by this. It means that we have evil inclinations, which come from original sin, meaning our body, our desires are not balanced. Oftentimes we wish bad things. We wish things in a disorderly fashion. And so what mortification is, that struggle against those evil inclinations to bring them and subject them to the will and to reason, obviously, in such a way that we're able to work to do the will of God. St. Francis de Sales gives an example that I very much like. He says, when you have a tree and the tree is bent, you know, crooked, you have to grab this growing plant and bend it the other way so that when you let it go, it's going to be straight. Something like that happens with our inclinations and with our passions. Because they are disordered, because they are evil, we need to go against them to a certain degree, more than what is required, perhaps, in, in regards to, to what I mean to say is, more than what you need for just a normal behavior. You need to go a little bit more against them so that you're able to have a, a normal behavior. Now, when you hear mortification and penance, and we will go into detail with all these things, you might think to yourself, can't I stay away from it? Can I, can, can I just go around it? You know, maybe I can just pray a lot and, 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 you know, be nice to people and do charity and not do any of that fasting or, you know, abstaining from meat or any of that, you know, sleeping on a hard bed or something like that. No, the truth is, there's no way around this. There's no way around this, especially if you want to derive great treasures from the spiritual life. Remember what I said in the beginning, in the first episodes. You can save your soul, but if you really want to know what it's like to be a Catholic, if you really want to know all those treasures that come from the spiritual life, all the treasures that God gives you with grace, then you have to put in practice these things. And mortification especially is one that is absolutely necessary. St. Teresa would say that too. Now, I would say that most souls who begin the spiritual life, but at some point find themselves to fall, to be tepid, to even abandon the spiritual life altogether, most of them is because they lacked, in one way or another, the practice of mortification. You will always see it happen. When a person starts stepping back and dropping from the spiritual life, and even dropping from faith, you will see that many times they are lacking mortification. Here, I think, will be useful to understand that there are several degrees of mortification. I'm going to split it into two. One is going to be what I would call defense, and the other one is going to be what I will call offense. I could also say one is going to be restrictive mortification, mandatory mortification, that's defense, and the other one is going to be a positive mortification. That's what I call offense. What's the difference? Well, mandatory mortification or restrictive mortification will be when you have to control your impulses and your passions in those things that are sinful or that would lead you quite directly into sin. So as you can understand why this would be mandatory. For example, not eating too much. Uh, if you're in a crowded place where there might be people immodestly dressed to lower your eyes. Uh, not to take baths or jacuzzis or things like that that could be too pleasant or too luxurious or you know, too pleasing to the senses. All of these things, you have to mortify yourself. And I say that they're mandatory, they're obligatory, 
because you need to do that to be saved. And I say that they are restrictive because that's all you're doing. You're restricting yourself from things that are openly sinful or quite directly into sin. Here, it's kind of like you're keeping the enemy at bay. This kind of mortification is not even to be seen in the, wor in the world anymore. And I'm sure that if a lot of people were to hear about this, they would say this is crazy. But no, it is absolutely necessary if you want to save your soul. This is a kind of mortification that our Lord spoke of in the Gospel, where he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 29, If thy right eye scandalize thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. Because it is expedient for thee that one of thy members should perish, rather than the whole body be cast into hell. Now, obviously, you all know our Lord here is not saying that you should pluck out your eye. What he's saying is, if there is something that is very necessary for you, or that you like it very much, but it's leading you to sin, if it's leading you to hell, if it's leading you to lose the friendship of God, and to live a disorderly life, then pluck it out, you know, send it away from you, even if it's something that was very pleasing. So this mortification, again, it's kind of like you're keeping your enemy at the gates, you know, he's right by the walls and you're just keeping him out of the citadel, but he's still very, very close. As you can understand, that would be very dangerous and it doesn't seem like it would suffice. So there will be another degree of mortification, a positive degree of mortification where you actually take the offense. And this would be what I'm calling the positive degree of mortification. But here I have to say, uh, you have to notice my careful choice of words because I was going to name this kind of mortification the aggressive kind, which would not sound very good. So no, it, we're going to call it positive science, the positive side of mortification. And I'm calling it, I'm calling it positive and uh, the, the offense because here we're taking the initiative against our enemies. Here we're taking the initiative against the threats that we have. And we're taking rather an offensive stance. What I mean to say here, I'm not only restricting myself from things that are sinful and unlawful, which are fairly obvious I should not do. I'm not even saying we're restricting ourselves only from occasions of sin or that we're only keeping the mortifications that are prescribed under sin, such as fasting, you know, during certain days or abstaining during Fridays. But here, I will actually go ahead and seek to increase my mortification in order to secure myself further away from sin. It is as if you were taking the enemies from the gates and you start pushing them away, you know, kind of like throwing more and more aggressive stances in order to keep them more away from the citadel. And that would be when you mortify yourselves, uh, yourself with things that are not required from you, uh, taking it, you know, from the middle ground, a little bit more to the other side, being more generous in those kind of mortifications, maybe finding uh, different days to fast or, you know, sleeping in a bed that is a little bit rough or, you know, not taking as hot a shower as you would, things like that. Having said that, I should also say that we can divide mortification into interior and exterior. And what would be the interior one? The interior mortification would be when you mortify your own will, your own desires and whims, where you mortify your pride, where you mortify even your intellect at some times. How would this happen? For example, uh, there is a movie that I'm very curious about. 
and the trailer is showing, well, I won't see the trailer. That's a mortification. Or there is this TV show that seems very interesting, but I'm trying to be less worldly, so I'm not going to watch it. That's intellectual mortification. Or, you know, I, I really want to do this particular activity today, but my wife or my husband doesn't. Well, I'm going to mortify my own will and go with what the other person wants. That is mortifying your will. All of those are interior mortifications. The exterior mortification is fairly obvious, which is where you mortify your sins and your passions. Today we're going to focus on this, on the, on the physical part, you know, the, the part that regards your sins and your passions. But before we continue, we have to go to our quotes from the saints. Speaking of mortification, I should say that lately my microphones have been failing. I have, I have two of them of the same kind with two different cables and they both fail for some reason. And they've been failing all the time. I have to unplug it and plug it and plug it and unplug it and do it again and then continue the video and stop the video and do it again. And it's quite mortifying for my will and my patience, but I'm trying to do my best. So if you see me slam the microphone on the table, I might not cut out that out of the video. It could be quite funny, but that's the reason why. I said quotes of the saints today because actually we have quite a quote bombardment, uh, very much uh, a la Alfonso's Ligori. He would do that a lot in his books. He would just put like a bunch of quotes all together. And I think uh, in this case, if we're not convinced of the necessity of mortification, maybe hearing a bunch of people telling us, you have to mortify yourself, that will help. So the first quote, if you say, you might say to me, well, charity demands that I treat my body well. St. Bernard will say, this charity is destructive of charity. Such mercy is full of cruelty because it serves the body to destroy the soul. St. Bernard also continues in another quote, If we are cruel in crucifying the flesh, you by sparing it are far more cruel. Father Rodriguez also would tell us of a hermit who was asked, Why do you treat your body so bad? So ba badly, I guess you could say, in such a bad way. And he replied, I only chastise what chastises me. This is a really cool quote. Okay, another one from the Abbot Moses. Once he was censured for his severity towards his body. And he replied, Okay, let the passions cease, and I will also cease to mortify my flesh. In another occasion, our Lord said to St. Saint, to Saint Francis, If you desire my love, accept the things that are bitter as if they were sweet, and the things that are sweet as if they were bitter. St. Aloysius Gonzaga practiced incredibly severe corporal penances. On one occasion, someone came and said to him, Hey, you know that perfection does not consist in the exterior works of penance, but in the interior control and mortification. He replied with the words of our Lord, These things you ought to have done, and not leave those undone. And to end, St. John of the Cross says to us, He who inculcates doctrine that is loose regarding mortification of the flesh should not be believed, though he confirmed his preaching by miracles. This is very fitting for ourselves today, 
where we, we hear the people in the Vatican II sect preach against exterior mortification, against penance and the mortification of our flesh. Those are our quotes from the saints today, and now we continue with the rest of our episode. Now I think it would be useful to go into the advantages of the practice of mortification. The first one, I will say, is total removal of mortal sin. That's what you get with mortification, to not have mortal sin at all. Now obviously, you cannot expect that just from this virtue alone, you're going to remove mortal sin. You have to practice other virtues as well. You have to pray and all those things. But this one in particular has a lot to do with it. And I don't know about you, but for me, this, this advantage alone sounds incredibly appealing. And it, it should to you too. See, the thing is, without mortification, as I said before, sin is at the gates. If you give in to every single whim and pleasure that you have, it's only too easy to jump from that which is lawful and permitted to that which is sinful. If you're drinking as much as you want, it's very easy, too easy, to drink one more cup than what was enough. If you're eating as much as you want, it's only too easy to eat more than you need and then to have your mind useless because your whole body is focused on digesting five hamburgers, you know, from, I don't know, uh, some hamburger joint. If you recreate, you know, watching TV and watching Facebook and watching YouTube or whatever, and you're scrolling through your cell phone, it's only too easy that at some point something sinful is going to appear and you're going to fall into watching it. Or uh, even the fact that it appears is bad enough. So all of these things, if you give to yourself every single thing that you want, it's like fighting in the borders of your country. It's like saying to the enemy, sure, bring, bring all the soldiers, bring all the tanks, Bring all your troops all the way to the border, as it happened recently in a certain country. And, you know, just don't invade. But, you know, you can stay in the border. That's stupid. Of course they're going to invade. Of course you're going to have trouble. Instead, what do you do? You push back. And that's what mortification does. If you restrict yourself in the food, in the drink, in the pleasures that you have to your body, in the, in the way that you uh, uh, recreate yourself, you will find that when sin is tempting, it's not going to come so close because you already have all these barriers, you know. You already know that you don't eat that much and so you're never going to be tempted to eat too much. You already know that you only drink two cups every time that you go out and so you won't be tempted to drink too much. Uh, you already know that your bed is hard and, 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 you know, unpleasant and that your showers are cold and so temptation from whatever pleasures from the flesh that could be, is going to be much more rare. So that is how you, with mortification, you actually keep mortal sin uh, entirely away. The other advantage that you have is that with mortification comes, and this is a very good one, an increased quality of prayer. There are different degrees of prayer, just like there is different degrees of works of art and of love or anything else. In prayer, you can have a very mediocre, lousy prayer, or you can have, I don't know if I could say lousy, but you know, not as good. Or you could have a, a beautiful prayer that can be very intense and life-changing. Now, I can't make the promise that by mortifying yourself, you will receive great degrees of prayer, because God determines 
to whom he gives those things. But I can tell you what St. Teresa of Avila says. There is no good prayer. She means prayer of quality, intense prayer. There is no good prayer without mortification. It's just not going to happen. And so in the degree that you mortify yourself, in that degree will you live beautiful things in prayer? Will you experience beautiful things in prayer? That's just the way it is. And here is why. And this is the third reason. The third reason why mortification is desirable is because it brings us closer to Christ. Remember that the whole purpose of your spiritual life is to be united to God, to be united to Christ. But in order for you to be united to Christ, there has to be some similarity. Now, the imitation of Christ tells us the whole life of Christ was a cross and a martyrdom. Therefore, if you unite yourself to Christ, necessarily you will come and meet the cross. Necessarily, there will be some form, at least of a little tiny martyrdom. And so this, although it sounds something like something scary, is actually something quite desirable. That by practicing mortification, you unite yourself to our Lord Jesus Christ. The results of that and the rewards of that are eternal, and you will see them when you get to heaven, as we all hope to do. Now, there are many more things that we could say about this, but because we want to move to the practical side, you know, what should we do? How can we do it? Before we do, let's go to a story of the saints and brace yourselves because this one's going to be quite intense. Well, today for our story of the saints, we're going to speak about some of the mortifications that St. Aloysius Gonzaga used to practice. Now, we could also call this section right now the shaming of Father Cepeda because it is uh, quite shameful and embarrassing to think that St. Aloysius Gonzaga at his young age practiced all these penances and one doesn't even do half of that. We have to take into consideration that when he was doing all these things, St. Aloysius was 13 years old. That means that he probably had half the body mass that I have right now. And so they would tell us that at this age, he was still at home. I think he wasn't with the Jesuits yet. But some of the things that he would do is fasting. He would fast several times a week. Saturdays, he, will, he would always fast in honor of our Blessed Mother. On Fridays, he would fast eating nothing else but bread and water. And he would only eat three slices of bread. And they were so tiny that they say that the servants from the house one day, you know, hiding, they were able to grab about the same amount that he would eat and weigh it. And it was less than an ounce. So he would do that on Fridays. On Wednesdays, he would also fast. And besides all these fasts, you know, every time he would mortify himself with this or another thing. Now, one of the things that became quite extraordinary with St. Laetius Gonzaga was his uh, physical penance. He would take, in Spanish you say penance. I, I don't know how you say it in English other than that, but basically what they mean in Spanish is to scourge yourself, to hit yourself with something. 13 years old. The first thing he started to do was to do those penances with a, a horse whip that he would find. Later on, he actually moved to chains. And they say that 
he would take this discipline three times at least a week to the point of shedding blood. And at the end of his life, by the last years, he would actually do it almost every day. They say that it was common, obviously, to find his shirts with blood and that the servants would go to the mother and say, you know, complain about this and the mother would be worried. And the, the father would say to, to the mother, you know, this, our son, he's going to kill himself with his own hands. He would put a board, a wooden board, and put it under his sheets so that he would be able, because he was a very wealthy person, so he would put these wooden boards under his sheets so that he would be able to sleep over something hard. And because he couldn't find anything of like what the monks used to use to mortify his flesh, he took the, I don't know how you, what you call those, but what you use to steer the horse, you know, that you put in your boots, uh, I don't know what you call those, but you know, those metal things that you use that you put in your boots and you kick the horse, he would put those also by his flesh, next to his flesh, to mortify himself. And he was only 13 years old. Now, my friends, when you hear these things, uh, the first feeling that you might have is horror, perhaps, and like this is excessive. And I would say that it would be excessive in most people, not because I'm, I'm not condemning it in St. Aloysius Gonzaga. What I'm saying is that these kind of things should only be done when God is inspiring you to do it, and to most people, God does not inspire to go that far. Um, God wants us all to mortify ourselves in as much as we can, but some saints, he inspired to do very, very serious and grievous things for two reasons. One, because they were capable, and that way they would unite themselves closer to our Lord Jesus Christ, to his cross, to his passion. And another one, to give us an example. Because when you see that a 13-year-old boy receive the grace from God to do that kind of penance, you can certainly say to yourself, well, I can do a little bit of fasting. I can do a little bit of abstaining. You know, I can, I can do a little bit of a sacrifice. This is important to understand because, you know, I was, re I was researching about St. Aloysius Gonzaga. And, you know, you come across all these articles in the internet, all of them from the Novo Sordo. And everybody says, oh, yeah, well, what they say about him is just crazy. And, you know, oh, yeah, his, his first biographers were exaggerating. And, oh, yeah, well, you know, m many saints did mistakes. And St. Aloysius Gonzaga was excessive. He made a lot of mistakes when he was younger. And no, 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 that's not the case. What happened with Salvation Gonzaga was, as I said, that the Holy Ghost inspired him to do extraordinary things for many reasons. Maybe for also to do atonement for the sins of the world and for the sins of other people. It's not excessive if God is inspiring you to do that because if Christ suffered so much, it only makes sense that we also can suffer a little. But... A uh, big, big caveat here and a very important uh, note. You should never engage in any of these practices unless you are approved to do so by your confessor and your spiritual director. And for legal purposes here in, the, in this website and in the video, I am not advocating for any of these practices. That's totally up to you and it's not our... Uh, we're, we're not in claiming to promote or make you do this something that only the Holy Ghost can inspire. So that is our story of the saints for today. And now we're ready to continue with our video and see how we can actually practice, what kind of stuff we can actually do ourselves that is not 
too excessive, that is not going to kill us, that is going to allow us to, to live our life properly. So let's talk about uh, some of the principles behind the practice of mortification. And I'm going to give you three principles that you should always keep in mind. The first one is mortification is not an end, meaning penance is not the goal. It is the means to get to the goal. It is the way to get to the goal. What is the goal? The goal is to gain control, to secure your spiritual welfare. That is the goal. So once that is obtained, once you are secure, once you're doing well spiritually, you should not look at penance as some sort of sport or food for pride. As if you were saying, well, I'm doing this, but I need to do more and I need to do more and I need to do this and that. And I want, I read this book and I want to do what I say in this book. And I want to do what Sinalatius Gonzaga do, did and get a bunch of blood all over the place. No, no, that's not the point. Focus on the goal. The goal is only to grow in the love of God and to restrain yourself from sin and to keep yourself safe from sin. That's all you're looking for. Otherwise, you can fall into pride, you can fall into fanatism, you can fall into many other things that have nothing to do with this. Penance, it's only a way, it's only a method, not the end. This brings us to the second point, the second rule. Because penance is only a method and only a means to an end, it should always be done with great prudence and discretion. Your mortification, mortifications should not be showy, they should not be visible, they should not be in the sense of a holier-than-thou kind of deal. You know, it's like when if you're abstaining from something in, in, in your meals and you're trying to fast or something and everybody else is eating and you come with your empty plate because you're fasting. No, no, don't do that. It's, don't show it, don't, don't make it something visible and don't make it something excessive, don't make it something that is going to make you famous or anything like that. It's just... As I said, it's just the means to an end. It's better to start by doing little things, very little things, but to persevere on those things. You know, to put for yourself little mortifications here and there, but keep them and don't let them drop. These kind of mortifications that you put your, to yourself, you know, I don't know, don't take sugar in my coffee, or maybe, you know, as I said, shower with uh, water that is not that, that warm, or, you know, sleeping with a pillow that I don't like. Things like that. These little things that you persevere in, they should never interfere with your duties of state. They should never interfere with other people's concerns or business or needs. What I mean to say is, and I've said this before, if you say, well, I'm going to fast three days a week, but then that means I can't work. And that means that I'm yelling at my husband all the time because I'm grouchy. Well, that means that my poor children are having to face an ogre when they come home. Then no, forget it. That's not the point. So if it interferes with anything of what is supposed to be your daily duties, your, your daily life, no, you're doing too much or you're not doing it the right way. And because of all this, we come to the third principle. This is the golden rule. Every penance and mortification that you impose on yourself, you should run it first by a prudent priest. This prudent priest has to give you permission and he can remove the permission. He can say at some point, no, you're not going to do this anymore. And you should consult with the priest frequently and say, well, you know, 
let's say every two months or every three months, your spiritual director, you go and you say, well, I'm still doing this and this penance and, you know, nothing's gone wrong or things have been going wrong. Whatever the priest tells you, you surrender to that. Especially if he's saying, you know, don't do it anymore, you should surrender to that. That's a lot safer. I just realized we actually missed our quote from scripture for today, and so we're going to say that right now. And today our quote from scripture is going to be Luke 13, chapter 13, verse 3, and that is obviously from the Dwayne Rames Bible. Our Lord says to the apostles, I say to you, unless you shall do penance, you shall all likewise perish. This quote is said in the context that our Lord was telling them, well, you saw how the tower of Siloe, the tower that was in Jerusalem, fell upon these people. And everybody thinks, well, these guys were sinners, and that's why, you know, they perished, because they were sinners. And our Lord says, no, no, I tell you, everybody has to do penance. Penance in scripture is not necessarily physical penance as what we're discussing right now. It's not just physical penance, I should say. He means to say repentance, a change of life. I mean, a total change of life. And so what our Lord is saying to the apostles is, no, it's not just them that that are sinners. Everybody is a sinner. And so unless you all do penance, you shall all perish and die. This quote is quite significant when we speak about Protestantism and people who hold to the idea that faith alone suffices. Because our Lord here is saying very specifically, if you don't do these actions, if you don't change your life, you will perish. And so, as in many parts of the gospel, our Lord is emphasizing the part that faith, death faith, does not suffice. It has to be a living faith, meaning a faith that has with it charity and the works that come out of charity. That is our quote from scripture for today, and we're going to go straight now into the practical things that we can do for penance. Okay, so how do we practice mortification? Well, I have to say, this is the part where I get a lawsuit, probably, so I have to begin by saying, for legal purposes, that I'm not advocating in here any of these practices to be practiced by our listeners or our watchers. If you do, you do it under your own discretion and responsibility, and we're not responsible for your actions. That being said, let me advocate for these practices for those of future generations who will not be able to sue me because I will be dead by then. Okay, so one very good way of mortification, and a very basic one, is modesty in behavior, in in the way we uh, sit, stand, and walk. To watch the manner in which you sit and, and, and you stand, you know, and not be sitting with your legs up there and, you know, with all spread out like you're some kind of a, you know, bubble, I don't know, bubble gum or some goo or something. No, uh, to control your posture and to make it dignified and straight and all those things is actually quite a good mortification. Don't take this lightly. In the Carmelites, they actually had a mortification that was very simple, but was quite hard. And they would say, don't lean your back on anything. When you sit down, don't lean your back. When you are standing, don't lean your back on something. Not in a chair, not in a couch, not on the wall. Always stand up with your back straight. That's going to be good for your abs, 
but it's also going to be quite a good mortification. And if you if you do it like constantly, you'll figure out this is actually something that is constantly in your mind. It's a good mortification, very simple, not showy, and even healthy. But let's go now over each one of our senses and see how we can mortify them. With our eyes, I mentioned already to guard our eyes. You know, to form the habit of looking down to the floor, or if you're tall like me, to looking rather, you know, up, because <laughs> if you look down to the floor, you see everything. Uh, this is something also that should not be uh, taken lightly. When you mortify your eyes, obviously now in the world, especially during the summer, it's even necessary to do it so that you don't get in trouble with all the modesty that is around. But also when you mortify your eyes, you mortify your curiosity, your desire to see things and to know things. And that is very, very useful and very difficult too. This can apply also to not watching videos and not watching, you know, scrolling through social media and things like that. I should say, don't mortify your eyes if you're driving. You need to look ahead, please. Uh, I know of people that tried to mortify their eyes when they were driving. That did, did not go good with the co-pilot. He wasn't very happy. Okay, <laughs> mortify our mouth. When it comes to food, St. Ignatius gives us some good tips. He says, okay, either eat food that is not pleasant to you, or if you eat food that is pleasant and it tastes really well, then eat little of it. So these are good ways in which you can balance yourself in that regards. But when it comes to this, I do want to give you three warnings. The first one, don't mortify all the other people because of it. Mortify yourself, leave everyone else alone. The second one, it's better not to do these things if they will be noticed. So you have to be discreet about it. You don't want to be proud about it. You don't want to be showy. What do I mean? For example, let's say that I'm mortifying myself in not eating cake or sweets. Well, that's a very good thing. But let's say that in a rare occasion, rare occasion, uh, I'm meeting in a meal that is very noticeable. You know, I'm meeting with all the seminarians or religious or whoever, and everybody gets a cake and they put a cake in my plate. Well, maybe I can get out of it by saying, oh, you know, I, I, I'm full or whatever. But I mean, don't, don't go on and say, well, I'm not going to eat this because I, I, I don't eat sweets. You know, I mortify myself. No, don't do anything like that. And let's say, for example, give you another example. Let's say that you're saying, I'm not going to eat meat at all. But then you go to have dinner at someone's house and all they have is uh, a thing that has meat. You know what? The best thing to do, the more perfect thing to do there is going to be to eat it. And pretend that nothing's happening. Just eat it and don't show it to anybody. And then when you go home, do another another penance, another mortification to, to supply for what you missed. You see what I mean? The best thing is not to show it, not to make it something that is in, on display. Another caveat that I want to say when it comes to mortifying ourselves with food. You really don't need to do very terrible and crazy things. You know, very little details can add a lot of mortification to your meal. And I'm going to give you some examples. For some people, eating without salt is almost unbearable. It's a very simple thing. It's a very little thing. You don't have to show it to anybody. But eating without salt is quite a mortification. One that is incredibly interesting is this. Add water, just plain water, to your food. I'm not saying you should do it. But if you want to mortify yourself and you're looking for something that is going to be hard, that's a good one. It's very simple. It's very easy. It doesn't show. Most of the times it doesn't show. Don't do it in front of people. But it's 
it water just drops the food of any good taste that it had. It's really interesting. So little things like that. Okay, when it comes to mortifying our ears. If someone were to ask me, I would say that the best mortification we can do on this day and age in these regards is not to watch anything or listen to anything from the world or at least to restrain it greatly. You know, if I say I'm not going to watch YouTube videos or social media or radio or TV, these are not things that would be too extreme. You know, I'm not asking you to... I'm not asking you for anything, but, you know, we're not asking to discourage ourselves until we get blood on the walls. Compared to what the saints did, this is nothing. But boy, oh boy, will it be hard for many. It would be very beneficial, though, and it's a very good sacrifice to offer. When it comes to the sense of touch, the some ways in which we can modify our sense of touch is, as I said before, by taking a shower that is a little bit colder than usual. And even if that might seem too hard for you, for example, something you can do is get in the shower and turn the hot water on, but get the first cold water that comes out. That is quite painful, quite scary, you could say, and, and, and it's very simple. You're not going to get sick from that unless you're living like in Siberia or, or Nebraska or somewhere. But, you know, it's something that you can do. Another one is if you're single, having a bed that is a little bit more on the harder side you know, kind of like a military <laughs> type of deal. As long as you can sleep, you do want to get your sleep. Another form of mortification of our touch is to wear something that is mortifying around my waist or under my skin, under my clothes, something that is just a little bit rough to kind of keep you with that reminder. You don't have to do anything that is going to harm you. You shouldn't do anything that should harm you, that could harm you. But you can do something that is a little bit unpleasant and it's going to keep you, you know, on your toes, on your fighting stance. A very good one when it comes to touch, to suffer cold and heat patiently. This is so interesting because when, when we, you know, we live here in America and in our modern Western society, and it's like, we have control of the weather. That is just insane. You know, a good mortification, and again, only do it to yourself. Don't mortify all your family by turning the AC off. But, you know, a good mortification would be that, to suffer the cold when it's cold, at least a little bit of it, to suffer the heat when it's hot, at least a little bit of it without ever risking your health. Using harder chairs, harder couches, not, not using couches or, you know, soft seats or standing, sitting in, in firm positions, as I said before. So, my friends, there, are, there you have a few tips about how to do mortification. However, as we finish this episode, which I'm sure can get quite controversial. Remember a few of the details that I've mentioned. First, it's better to, sm to start with small things that you can maintain all the time than to try to do great penances and then harm your health. That's not the point. Remember to always submit these things to a prudent priest. Also, it is true that interior mortification, meaning to be obedient, to be humble, to be patient, that is much more valuable, that is true. And sometimes you cannot do bodily penances. You know, there are people that are sick, that are struggling, they can't do anything bodily, but you can always do interior penance. And so always keep doing that, always do some interior penance, always be obedient, always be humble, always be patient, and that can supply, and that is even more perfect. If you can do bodily penance and you need it, then do it. Finally, this is important. 
Don't be shocked if the world doesn't understand this topic. Don't be shocked if your friends don't understand this video. It is not meant for the world. These are practices which are not done by the usual person. They are not but done by those who are unconcerned of their salvation or of growing in holiness. Some of the things that I mentioned here are not mandatory. You don't have to do it. You're not required to do it. But they're useful if we do them in order to avoid sin. And also, why not say it, to avoid the unhappiness that sin brings to us in this life. So eventually, when you do penance in the right way, moderated and controlled and with permission, it actually leads you to happiness, to real happiness, the happiness of being in the state of grace, of controlling your passions and emotions, of controlling your own will, and therefore of living in harmony with our Lord and with ourselves and with our guardian angels and with all the saints. And that's why a penitent and a mortified soul is usually a very, very happy one. That ends our episode for today, which was oddly a very happy episode for, you know, the topic that was penance. But no, it's not odd. It's perfectly what it should be. I am your host, Father Carlos Cepeda, for The Spiritual Life. And you are listening or watching The Catholic Wire. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you for listening to The Catholic Wire. If you have found this show helpful, please say a prayer for all our collaborators. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels and share with your friends. For questions and comments, you may contact us at thecatholicwire.org.